This morning's reading is called, Life is Like a Journey on a Train, the author unknown. Life is like a journey on a train, with its stations, with changes of routes, and with accidents. At birth, we boarded the train and met our parents, and we believe they will always travel on our side. However, at some station, our parents will step down from the train, leaving us on this journey alone. As time goes by, other people will board the train, and they will be significant, our siblings, friends, children, and even the loves of our lives. Many will step down and leave a permanent vacuum. Others will go so unnoticed that we don't realize that they vacated their seats. This train ride will be full of joy, sorrow, fantasy, expectations, hellos, goodbyes, and farewells. Success consists of having both a good relationship with all the passengers requiring that we give the best of ourselves. The mystery to everyone is, we do not know at which station we ourselves will step down. So we must live in the best way, love, forgive, and offer the best of who we are. It is important to do this because when the time comes for us to step down and leave our seat empty, we should leave behind beautiful memories for those who will continue to travel on the train of life without us. I wish you a joyful journey for the coming years on your train of life. Reap success, give lots of love, and be happy. More importantly, be thankful for the journey. Lastly, I thank you for being one of the passengers on my train. I'll begin this morning just by, people want to know what I did on my sabbatical and I did not write three books on my sabbatical. Now, I kid you not, I've had colleagues who've gone on sabbatical and they come back and they go, I have written three books on my sabbatical. I declared the exact opposite before I left. I did not want to write three books. Did I inch closer to being done with my doctoral work? Yes. Did I get a chapter accepted to a book of UU theology? Yeah, but it was almost an accident. Did I play way more video games than I anticipated? Yes, I did. Did I read all of the sci-fi and fantasy novels on my shelf? Nope, but I'm getting closer and the stack is growing again. The majority of my sabbatical time, however, was spent with my husband and our new year and a half old Catahoula mixed dog named Bowie after the late great David Bowie even has a Ziggy Stardust collar, it's fantastic. (laughs) After losing our beloved Rottweiler last fall, this new dog in our lives has been an adventure. You know, it's, it's something peculiar and wonderful to watch yourself fall in love with an animal. And this furry ball of intense, intense energy. If you don't know anything about Catahoulas, let's just sum it up real quick. They're old North American pig herding and swamp hunting dogs from Louisiana, believed to be bred uh, to be a breed used by the Avoyel, Tunica, and Ofo tribes and the Choctaw tribes of that region. And they're famously known for their webbed paws, not for swimming, 
but allow them to climb trees. In other words, they're intense, right? <laughs> and we had no idea what we were getting into. <laughs> Training a breed known for its aloofness is a lesson in patience. Well, rather, it's more of a lesson in how little patience I have as a person. But I can look back and see my growth. I can see that dog's growth, the growth of our family with this new creature in our midst. But more broadly, it's reminded me that relationships need work. Not just spouses or pets, but communities too. And it cannot be work that burns us out, but work that sustains us. It is a hard balance, a good balancing act, but still one that requires commitment. I need not tell you how that relates to church. It's kind of right there on the nose, right? But this time with our new dog was rewarding. He gave me room to find perspective, to learn some things about control and patience, to go deep into something new and wild and free. If only everything could be like that, while at the same time sustaining us. I guess the real question is, why can't it be like that? New and wild and free and sustaining now, as much as I think dog training could take up sermon after sermon after sermon, and I think it'd be a great series, there's something else pressing on me that I learned from this sabbatical, a few other mild and maybe wild lessons. First, it wasn't hard leaving because I knew I would be back, and it wasn't hard coming back. Because with both, I trusted this place to be itself, trusted our leaders to lead with intention, and I knew it was a simple pause. I know that first part might make it sound like I couldn't wait to get out. But no, I missed this place from day one. But I also needed that space to regain perspective. So no, it wasn't hard coming back. I truly did miss all of you. But I have to admit, the hardest part of returning to the day in and day out of being your minister is remembering the flow of Sundays. Knowing that another Sunday always comes, that Sunday is the day, the principal day, where we gather, we sing, we celebrate, we see one another. My farewell greetings most weeks boil down to, if I've seen you in the church, see you Sunday. Time for me is in multiples of seven, almost instinctively knowing the map of Sundays each month. These first couple weeks back from sabbatical, I have not yet remembered that this day is inevitable. And perhaps that's a good thing pressure is gone. Instead, this day, these Sundays are more of a welcome surprise. I get to see you, right? We get to celebrate. We get to sing. We get to join with our community. Hallelujah. And it is good to be together. The lesson in prayer there is to remember Sunday should be a welcome surprise, that our gathering means something more than any committee or event or obligation. Now, here's an admission. During my sabbatical, I was a very casual Lutheran. I attended a handful of Lutheran churches. I didn't go out seeking them. I just landed at them, it seemed like. I celebrated Easter with a lovely congregation in Illinois, the church I attend, because it's a block away from where my in-laws live. And I scoped out a couple around here. I had grand ideas when sabbatical first started. Every Sunday, I will go to a different church and take notes on what they're doing. But no, that didn't happen. I imagine even checking out some of the mega churches just, just to see. What would be the goal? I have no idea. <laughs> it wouldn't be to determine if we're welcoming or not. That's almost a sixth sense these days. 
when we determine if our, we have good preaching or bad worship or good this or bad that, I really don't know what that goal was. Because as you use, I feel that we know what makes a good service, what makes a good gathering, what makes a good community, a good balance with the intellect and the heart, and plenty of grace for when things don't go right. But I think those forays into Lutheranism, they were not a conversion, I can tell you that, but it was about finding room to breathe. I also really geeked out, this is an aside, this is a rabbit moment, on the little self-serve communion chalices they hand out. <laughs> it was such an awesome thing. You pop the lid, eat the cracker, flip it over, you got some wine. It was really cool. But that's a, <laughs> that's a church geek thing, I guess. <laughs> but no, it was about room to breathe. Room to sit in the mystery of another tradition story without feeling like I was showing up to a colleague's event or work itself. The pageantry of liturgical celebration for me was a delight. And this is another side note, but I take my Protestant identity really serious. It's weird, but it's one of those cornerstones to who I am. And where better to celebrate than with where it began? Luther, great, wonderful. I joke about it, but I mean it. Unitarian Universalists are the, Luth uh, the Protestants that never stopped protesting. And it's true. But there were some simple lessons, more like reminders, attending those non-UU churches. You can tell walking into a church when they are searching for their identity, hoping for change, stuck in a rut, coasting along, or being a place of rest and renewal and joy. Sometimes it's all of those things at once. And it's good to see it unfold in churches that aren't Unitarian Universalist because you learn we have far more in common with the Episcopalians down the road, the Lutherans up Tate's Creek, and so on and so forth than we normally honor and lift up. The church I allude to in Illinois, there's a reason I kind of adore it. They're very clear about who they are. We don't believe the same things, but they're very clear. Their mission without stating it is very present in everything they do. It's about health and wellness equipping people to be the church by ensuring they thrive, mind, body, and spirit. And every time I attend that community, I think of this place, this community, and how far it has come in the seven years, over seven years, I have been your minister. Now that phrase, how far it's come, sometimes has a negative connotation to it, like, oh, you should have seen seven years ago, as if the past was inherently broken. When I say it about this place, it's about growth. Growth in spirit, growth in soul, in character, resolve, hope, and resilience. Now returning from this sabbatical, I can look right at the places in this community and where they thrived while I was gone. Right there, right where the thriving occurred. Whatever it might be, let that be the mission of this place. Because others will notice. They will respect it and the thriving of this community will continue. Now there's a, another church shop talk phrase that's popped up recently about churches and nonprofits, and they call it the mission industrial complex. <laughs> that's when organizations like ours are so consumed with finding just the right three words, a little capsule phrase, pages of justification for that phrase, and plenty of branding to go along with it, that they lose focus of what they're already doing. Here's our mission, but we're not even doing that. We're doing this over here. They lose focus of where their energy is leading them and what they're already accomplishing, the good that they're doing. 
If anything, these days, I'm convinced mission work in a church like ours is more like shamanism. It's about people coming to a shared understanding, if not fully ecstatic, but close enough, a shared journey. Throw away the consulting books and instead take a good look at what we're already doing. Therein lies our purpose. What might that purpose be? Well, where exactly did this place thrive while I was gone? I would hope to leave room for your board and all of you to answer that, but here's what I've noticed. For a congregation that newly joined BUILD, that stands for Building United Interfaith Lexington through direct action, we made our presence known. The leadership of BUILD is ecstatic to have us because as the first interfaith partner of this organization, they are learning from us just as we are learning from them. To our team members and network members of BUILD, you need to celebrate that success. Really, have you taken a moment to smile and laugh and soak it all up? Celebrate! I saw Mary, you were waving your hands. Celebrate. (laughs) Soak it up and get ready to invite even more people to come because we need one another. Despite our differences in belief, we need one another across Lexington, not just in this space. Our efforts to be a sustainable community continued. And though the work promised with that $300,000 grant we got from the city is delayed because everything's delayed. What did you all do while I was gone? People tended these grounds, this place, this community with love. And people even started building a nature path through our property. And that might seem like a simple thing, but it's about stewardship and recognizing what are we stewards of? What is the story of this land? What is the story of sustainability here in Lexington? And what can we teach other people? What can we learn from the land right here in this place? And some of you just want to get your hands in the dirt, and that's wonderful. Accessibility in our services continues to grow with a thriving streaming team and growing worship associates. Sunday mornings now involve more people than ever to make it happen. And all I had to do was let it go and let it grow wings. That's the lesson learned there. The minister doesn't have an AV degree. He should not be involved in the streaming team. He's holding it back. But my role for all of you is to remind you now that there's good work being done here, that our values are coming alive. It may sound like a simple thing to run a camera, but our values are reaching people across Kentucky. There are not many UU churches, and so people are coming from afar to hear what we have to say to know that worth and dignity and love are the cornerstones of who we are. During that time, our longtime religious, uh, director of religious exploration said farewell after 20 wonderful years. And I know you all said farewell with love and good vibes for her journey ahead. And I know she'll feel our support in her new venture. We don't know yet what is in store for our religious exploration and education program. But we just let that go, right? Let go of that anxiety for a moment. It doesn't serve us well to fret about the unknown. But the success there is in how we said farewell. This is a community that loves to come together and celebrate. And some churches don't imagine that. They don't like to be together. Oh, okay. But I'm mindful in that celebration, in that bidding farewell, that there is a large gap left because our director of religious exploration was almost our congregational life director as well. And this is now in your hands, the congregation, 
What do you want to celebrate next? There's certainly more I could lift up from my time away. I could spend the entire length of a sermon just thanking people for how they grew in their leadership and seized leadership and lived and leaned into leadership. But this is both the promise and peril of a place like ours. The leadership we saw from many of you during my time away must continue. In this rapidly shifting religious landscape around us, in this political landscape that we are immersed in, churches that thrive are stopping the wondering about leadership. They stop getting lost in those delectably alluring moments, making mountains out of molehills, and they keep leading. They keep nurturing leaders. They keep remembering why we are here, for it is evident now, in a post-Roe world, why our values matter. It must continue, yes, and there must not be a fast track to burnout. Promise and peril. We need you, don't burn out. It used to be that churches thought in order to matter, they had to have at least one million activities happening every single week. A completely booked Sunday, plenty of committee meetings, something for every single person. All that model of church teaches us is how to chew up our leaders burn them out over and over and over again. I know I keep mentioning that church in Illinois, but no, we shouldn't be like the Lutherans. Are they a perfect community? Probably not, but I'm not their minister, so I don't know. But they do a few things, a few things, and they do them well. They do them with joy, with excitement, with a bold assertion that this is who they are without apology. Now, does that eradicate burnout? No, it doesn't. I'm sorry. But it frees them up to not be beholden to what they think they should be doing. More things, more events, more, 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 more. More branding, more mission statements. And it instead honors where their hearts and minds are deeply, unflinchingly called. And we do that here increasingly so. And right now, with the way the world may be heading Being a community of resistance requires us to center joy, renewal, spiritual growth, a place of Sabbath rest. Last week, I talked about how what we are facing is very clear, the work of generations. We may not live to see the fruition of all our efforts like those coffee tree seeds in the ground, but we will leave a way forward for those yet to come. And you cannot do that on fumes alone. You cannot do that when you spend your life reacting to every single headline. Did you know there's now an official headline stress disorder that people are suffering from? You might be wondering, I think that's me, right? We human beings are analog creatures in a digital world. We are not fully equipped to manage disaster after disaster after disaster after disaster. To manage even a fraction of it, we need hope. We need joy. And we need each other. That's the real lesson learned for me. A reminder that our purpose is to be a place of joyful resistance, to put the brakes on trying to do everything, to let go of what's no longer serving us well, to be abundant in our grace for ourselves and each other, or in other words, less churchy language, let's be more forgiving. Let's be curious and intentional in our relationships here. The sabbatical time you honored gave me the space to recognize that again. And I feel it's my role as your minister to remind you of it and model it. 
and model it, I will, I hope. There will be holy no's so that holy yes can emerge. I'll honor my limits as I honor yours. And I'll remind myself to do so with gratitude and increasing joy. Of course, when our announcements come, I'm going to ask you for all sorts of things you can do and participate in the church, right? Of course, that's just, it's how it happens. (laughs) When we pass through these doors here, week after week, or step onto our seven acres, we don't let go of our lives in the world. But we can, just for a moment, stop letting ourselves being soaked in the muck, flying our way every single minute. Will gentleness, curiosity, intention, and joy solve everything? You know the answer to that. No, absolutely not. But will it sustain us? Will it strengthen us? Will it embolden us? I pray it is so. And may it be so. Blessed be, dear friends. Amen.